can't relax. A Glisten Plus production. Episode 5, Late Night Studying. I stared down at the size ten and a half shoe in my hand. I didn't remember putting it on or walking in it. But then again, I didn't remember anything else from that night either. Was this the shoe of a murderer? When I glanced down at the other shoe, I spotted a faint set of muddy footprints leading to the side door. Opening it, I could see the prince leading away from the garage towards the woods. I wouldn't have noticed them if I hadn't known to look. It was no surprise that Officer Chang hadn't seen them when he came the other night with his flashlight. I followed the path of bent grass toward the border of our property. As the prince approached the woods, they became more and more visible. As I came over the slope, I found a full sneaker print complete from toe to heel. I flipped over my dad's shoe and compared the tread to the print. It was a perfect match. Deeper into the forest, following the trail. Behind me, the lights of my house and the others on my block were getting dimmer. Ahead, I could see one of the unnamed streams that flowed into the Cottontail River. The path was leading right towards it, Getting closer, the path turned so it followed the curve downstream. If I kept moving in this direction, I knew I would end up close to the spot where the police had discovered Harold Thomas in pieces. I wanted to turn around. What would I do if I found proof of my horrible act? But I had to know for sure. After another couple hundred steps, I spotted something lying in the dirt. In the barely there moonlight, it looked like hair and flesh and blood. I ran over and looked down. It was a dead possum, a brutally attacked possum. Deep cuts exposed the animal's insides. Its intestines and bowels had already been gnawed away by mice and birds. Yet, even I knew that it was an axe that had done it in. I felt sick. I had done this. I could feel what little food I had in my stomach begin to churn. I pulled myself together. I had to. I needed to keep following the footsteps. No matter where they led... Only 50 yards further, the path broke off from the river and turned back for the neighborhood. As I continued to walk, I realized I was getting further and further away from where Harold was killed. The path led right back to my house. I had killed a possum. It was horrible. But it appeared I hadn't killed a man. My body collapsed to the ground. (laughs) 
lay there on the hard dirt, tears of joy and anguish spilling down my face. I was not a murderer, but of course, someone out there was. I'm coming! Just give me a second! Marie lived in the wealthy part of town, where each mansion had acres of land and you couldn't see your neighbors. The driveways were all as long as my block in Beacon Slope, and every car was electric and expensive. Marie's parents even had a pool that they filled in the summer. Hey there! Caleb's already here. Not a surprise. Always first to show and last to leave. Did you eat? My mom made stew for 20. I'm fine. I'll tell her to leave it in this loaf with her, just in case. I stepped inside to see Marie's mom and dad sitting on the couch watching an Argentine telenovela on the TV. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Valdez. They waved without turning away from the screen. The house could be on fire and they still wouldn't miss a second of Hearts and Fuego. Maybe that should be my next binge. Only if you like overacting in fistfights at weddings. That sounds surprisingly good. We walked into the kitchen to find Calum with a plate of stew. Coach would kill me if he knew I was off the calorie-by-calorie diet he laid out. But F him. Okay, what are we hitting first? Math or reading comprehension? Is neither an option? For the next three hours, we did nothing but fire questions at each other. Every vocabulary word was starting to sound the same. It was a dull blur. But considering everything that was happening, a dull blur was a good alternative. Lugubrious. Is that talkative? No, that's loquacious. Lugubrious is sounding sad. Just relax. Just relax. 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 Guys, did you hear that? Hear what? The sample on this track. Yeah, it sounded like the voice on the app. I didn't hear it. Rewind the song. Uh, let me find my phone. Here it is. Caleb pulled Marie's phone out from beneath a photocopied math practice test and tossed it to her. I'll rewind it. 20 seconds back. I didn't hear it. Maybe you didn't go back far enough. This is the part coming up. Was that what you heard? Because that is not the voice on the app, for sure. No, it changed. The song changed? If you say so. Caleb, we both heard it. I've got ears too. I didn't hear it. I've listened to that song a hundred times before on TikTok. There's no creepy voice on it. Suddenly I could feel my skin crawl. Somebody was moving through the darkness in the next room over. I was sure of it. I spun around but didn't see anything. You okay, Anya? You're freaking me out! Are you sure your mom and dad are both asleep? Yeah. They're out cold by 9.30 every night. And your sister? At college. You know that. What? Did you hear something? I thought I saw something move in the living room. She has two cats. 
both lurkers. It looked bigger than a cat. Caleb got up from his seat and moved around the table. Caleb, shh. Would you relax? Caleb, seriously. He walked right into the darkness of the neighboring living room. I could no longer see him. Suddenly, the lights snapped on. Calum was standing there with a toothy grin on his face. What the fuck? Why would you do that? Chill out. It was a joke. Ease the tension a bit. I just said my parents are sleeping. You're right. Poor taste. I just couldn't resist. You're awful. Then a figure rose up from behind Calum. It was Sunday. Clothing tattered, covered in dirt. She held the same fishboning knife in her hand. Look out! Caleb turned, just as she slashed at him. The tip of the blade sliced across his forearm. No! Caleb fell backwards into the cabinet of dishes. He clutched at his arm as blood ran through his fingers. Sunday lifted the blade over her head, ready to strike him again. I grabbed an ACT study guide and threw it at Sunday. The book struck her face. Sunday turned to me and spoke. Let the world fall away. No more worries. What's wrong with her? Sunday skittered toward Marie with blade outstretched. She was nearly on top of her when I grabbed Marie's hand and pulled her out of the way. We need to run! With a forceful tug, I shook Marie from her frozen stance. Both of us turned and ran for the back door. Marie was moving slowly, stilted and stunned. Behind us, Sunday had exited the house and was now gaining on us. We would never escape at this pace. You can't run from yourself. I had escaped Sunday once, barefoot and confused. I could do it again. Marie, run for the front of the house. I'll draw her away. Over here, you crazy bitch! Sunday charged toward me. I sprinted across the patio for the neighbor's house as Marie ran off in the other direction. Sunday took the bait and chased after me. I was moving so fast I hadn't realized that I was now halfway across the swimming pool that had been covered for the winter. Suddenly, I felt the pool cover give way. I started to slip backwards. Looking over my shoulder, I saw that Sunday had used her knife to cut a long gash in the tarp. I was slipping toward the hole, scrambling away from the ten-foot drop into the empty pool. If I fell in, there would be nowhere to escape. Feel yourself sink into a state of calm. My fingernails dug into the slick surface as I tried to claw my way to freedom. I could make it! Then a piece of the cover tore away. I dropped into the deep end of the pool. My ankle twisted as it hit the concrete. Ow! I looked up through the hole to see Sunday peering down. She was preparing to jump in. I forced myself to my feet and sprinted for the steps on the other end of the pool. Sunday jumped inside. I moved swiftly, but the shallower the pool got, the more I had to bend down to avoid hitting the cover stretched overhead. 
By the time I got to the steps, I was hunched over. The cover was fastened down tight to the edge. I pulled up with all my strength. I needed to pry open a hole big enough to squeeze out of. Sunday was nearly on me. My muscles trembled as a thin opening formed, maybe enough to squeeze through. I had to try. I pushed my head through. My shoulders were tougher, twisting back and forth. I was halfway there. When Sunday's hand grabbed my ankle, I kicked, trying to free myself, trying to break free. Then I felt something sharp stab my calf. I gave a heavy kick to Sunday's skull. Her hand released me, back to my feet, running again. I turned back. Sunday had sliced a hole through the tarp. She exited the pool and was charging for me again. I raced down toward the woods. The nearest house was across the river. And unlike the tiny stream in the forest near my house, this was a full, rushing cottontail river. A stone dam crossed the river, slowing the flow. But at this time of year, the water was surging so strong that it rushed over the dam, forming a slick waterfall. I had crossed over this dam so many times before when the water was calm. During playdates in third and fourth grade, Marie and I would pretend to be spies, escaping from bad guys. Sometimes Sunday would come over and play too. I came to a stop before the dam, eyes frantically scanning for the most stable spot to step. I had to move. Sunday was coming. No hesitation. I moved from one concrete slab to the next. The icy water didn't even have time to soak through my shoes. I had made it across safely. Turning back, I saw that Sunday had to reach the river. We made eye contact. Sunday, this isn't you! This is the true me. Show your truth. Sunday lurched forward. Like a deer, she pounced through the ankle-deep water, a crooked smile across her face. I was about to run when she slipped. Her foot gave out under her, and she tumbled into the water and was tossed over the small waterfall into the tumbling river beneath. Her head struck a rock when she went down, and she began to float downstream, face under the water, blood twisting out from her skull in crimson tendrils. I stood there, frozen, as she drifted off into the distance. I don't know how long I stood there, Anya! Anya, you're bleeding! I looked across the river to see Caleb and Marie standing there. Then I looked down at the stab wound from Sunday's knife. Blood had soaked my sock red. Are you okay? How could I possibly be okay with any of this? Can't relax. Starring Penny Epstein as Anya, Olivia Trujillo as Marie, Andre Robinson as Caleb, Patrick Laberto as The Voice, written and directed by Adam J. Epstein, executive produced by Sheila Stepanek and Adam J. Epstein, edited 
and mixed by Christopher Sousa. Additional voices by Paula Lisby, Steve Ulrich, Brian Stepanek, Lila Butler, Adam Epstein, Jane Sylvia, Michael Nering, Sheila Stepanek, Suzanne Hesseloff. Music by Budakid. Graphic design by Dave Kogan. Can Relax is a Glisten Plus production. <laughs>